Good morning, everybody. We would like to welcome you this morning to our Father's Day service. We would like to say a happy Father's Day to all of our fathers, especially our fathers who are visiting with us today. Um, so again, good morning. Can you stand for opening prayer, please? Hebrews 6 and 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Let us pray. God, our Father, in your wisdom and love, you created all things. Bless all of our fathers today, that they may continue to be strengthened as Christian fathers. Let the example of their faith and love shine forth. Grant that we, their sons and daughters, may honor them always with a spirit of profound respect. As they continue and remain anchored in the Lord, bless this special service today, Lord. Grant this through Jesus Christ our Lord. And let the church say, Amen. Um, so now we have little Miss Julie will now come and do a special and let us know why her dad is so special. Julie? Come on now, do better than that. Give us, give, give, come on. Come on. And if your dad is special to you today, let's give him a round of applause again. Okay, next we'll have Miss Alicia Wells to do a poem for us to her dad. Fathers are wonderful people, too little understood, and we do not sing their praises as often as we should. For, somehow, father seems to be the man who pays the bills, while mother binds up our little hurts and nurses all our ills. And father struggles daily to lift up his image as protector and provider and hero or discrimage. And perhaps that is the reason we sometimes get the notion that fathers are not subject to the thing we call emotion. But if you look inside Dad's heart where no one else can see, you'll find he's sentimental and as soft as he can be. But he's so busy every day in the grueling race of life. He leaves the sentimental stuff to his partner and his wife. But fathers are just wonderful in a million different ways, and they merit loving compliments and accolade of praise. For the only reason that aspires to fortune and success is to make the family proud of him and to bring them happiness. 
And like our Heavenly Father, He's a guardian and a guide, someone that we can count on to be always on our side. By Helen Stainer Rice. Okay, next on the program, we're going to have a song by Mr. Alan Simonette, Find Your Wings. It's only for a moment you were mine to hold The plans that heaven has for you will all too soon unfold So many different prayers I'll pray for all that you might do But most of all I want to know you're walking in the truth if I never told you, I want you to know that as I want you to know, I pray that God would fill your heart with your dreams and that faith give you the courage to dare to do great things. I'm here for you. Find your wings May passion be the wind that leads you through your day And may conviction keep you strong And guide you on your way May there be many moments That make your life so sweet more than memories I pray that God would fill your heart with dreams And that faith gives you the courage To tear it to great things I'm here for you, whatever this life brings So
Okay, that's with our dads. Um, here at Calvary, we're working, worshiping, and praying. So now we're going to go into the fun part of today's service before the message. It's called Tales from the Sea. We're not talking about Nemo, nor Dora, not even SpongeBob. We're going to use our own this time. We're going to ask our game host, Mr. Wilfred Jack, to come up. But before he comes up, I understand about a few, I don't know if it was months or weeks, or I don't know how long it was, but he was taken out on a trip, a fishing trip with his father-in-law. And I understand that things really got bad. He got really sick. And he decided that he wanted to come back to shore, but his father-in-law told him, no, you got to stick it out. And so he decided that in order for him to get back home, which would be safe, he sold his wife, his kids, his home, his car. He promised them everything that he owned to get him back to shore. But I understand he didn't get back to shore. He was really sick. And he's not a good sea person, so we're just going to ask him to host the program. We're not going to ask him anything because he's not a, he, he would, you know, he didn't make the cut. So, Wilfred, where are you? We're going to turn it over to him. Thank you, Stacy, and thank you, guys. <laughs> Interesting music. Um, just a little amendment to that story. I mean, I, you know, I, I love to swim. I don't like to fish. But there, there, there are some elements to that story that are true. I'll leave it up to you, to your imaginations, to figure out which elements. Okay, um, this morning, for the next few minutes, we're going to play... We're going to play a takeoff from the TV show, classic TV show, To Tell the Truth. How many of you have seen that show before? Tell the truth, though. <laughs> it's not bad. All right, not too many. Well, from our panel, I've, I learned something the last couple of weeks. Absolutely none of them have seen the show before. We have two contestants, two fathers from our church office. First one is Alan Simonet, who is our <clears throat> church administrator, and he'll be firing questions at the panel. And the second contestant is Anton Wallace. Of course, our, our minister of music. And, and like I say, none of these guys have ever seen the show before. And I mean, this, thing, this show has been around for in the 60s, the 70s, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those strange people. I collect these things, so I, I kind of know, but I always thought it was, a, it was a hit. Anyway, I'd like to begin by introducing our panel of captains. The first one is a very good friend of mine who has a boat. His boat is, he's the captain of the motor vessel Wild Bill, Charlie Aubrey. The, um, the second captain is the captain of the motor vessel Tings Tough, and he happens to be my father-in-law, who was a part of that, who was a part of that semi-concocted story a little while ago. 
And I believe I owe this man a whole lot. I owe him some stuff that I promised him about. <laughs> about, yeah, about 18 years ago. But, um, Ralph Anna. All right. And, of course, the next individual has, has given us many stories about his adventures on the high seas from finding the, sh the fish that swallowed Jonah to walking on water. Lindsay Pinder. And Lindy, Lindsay is captain of the boat called Funtime. I've been on Lindsay's boat and it was a very short trip and I had fun because the trip was short. The fourth and final captain is the captain of the, a boat called Wild Bill. Wild Bill himself, Clifton Wells. And I'd like to add that this was a boat that I almost made it on. And that's a true story. There's a, there's a story behind that. And I could give you tons of stories. But there's a lot of things about these men collectively. Apart from football and eating, Calvary's men love to the boat, and they love the high seas. So um, I'm going to kind of leave it to Alan and Anton, and your microphones are right there, gentlemen, to fire away some questions at these men. Of course, like any well-equipped game show host, I have a pretty assistant. She's not going to turn letters or point to new cars or anything. But I'll call on Stacy to pick the first event. Yeah, yeah. You better. And I quote, I was told to say thank you, honey. All right? So um, I am, I'm about to read a certain event now. Earlier this week, these gentlemen submitted at random two events or two tall tales that happened to each of them. Each captain submitted two. What I'm about to do, of course, is to read one of them something that happened to one of them. The object of this game is that each captain will answer the questions fired by Anton and Alan as if it happened to him. All right, so they know which ones didn't happen to them. I know which ones happened to each. I was a part of some that happened to Charlie. Was I a part of any? I knew about a lot of Charlie's adventures, even though I've been on his, his boat a couple of times. Short trips again. But... um. Let's see. Okay, the first one says, reads as follows. On a particular trip, the winds hit about 60 miles per hour. And the wind and propellers and everything were flying everywhere for about an hour and a half during my journey. Okay, so your object, gentlemen, is to determine based on their questions or how well these guys tell the truth or how Good they tell the untruth. Because there's a certain word begin with L I can't say in church. But um, let's start with Alan. Fire away. All right. And captain number one, of course, is Clifton. Okay. Moving all the way to his left. All right. Charlie is number four. All right. Let's see. Uh, captain number two. That's uh, Captain Lindsay, in case he didn't realize that. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, can you tell me exactly where did this happen? Man, this is around Rose Island. I was out of my boat 
And the wind came down, when storm came down, we had one tent on the ground and, and, and it blew the boat. I had to jump in my boat and start the engine up and, and to stop her from sinking. I mean, it was, I had to keep it and throw out another anchor to anchor her. <laughs> because, and another boat come along by and, and, and they were going to sink to them and I look, another boat come in and they turned bottom up. <laughs> You know, so it was really for about 20 minutes, it was, it was, it was rough. All right. Hey, let's see what happened the next week. It's a long story. But. <laughs> All right, Captain Charlie. What same happened to me? same so, question. Oh, I was, um, I was going to Cat Island. And um, it was real calm and it got real rough. <laughs> okay. Thank you. A few words. <laughs> Um, uh, Captain number one, I'm asking the same question. Yes, we were going to the Yellow Banks, that is east, southeast of Poggy Rocks, and there is between the Poggy Rocks and the Yellow Banks is called the Five Fathoms, which is the deepest part of the water between there and the Yellow Banks. On our way there, a thunderstorm came up from the northeast. It, as you very well know, the wind came, the rain came as well. So therefore, we would say, hell broke loose in the galley. <laughs> but it was, it took a while and we finally, through thick and thin, we were able to, to get to our destination and was very successful. Glad you are able to get back in. I'm going to pass it over to my associate here. Okay, Antoine. Uh, Captain number three, who was with you on this particular trip? Not me. <laughs> um, well, actually, um, I happened to be alone um, on, on this trip. In fact, it was, it was just outside of uh, Fish Key. Um, the, the fishes were biting so well. Um, I, was, I was taking them in two, three at a time. Um, the, I did not want to leave. Um, the storm was coming down, but it was so attractive fishing there, so I fished until uh, I, I noticed that things were getting too tough. So I hauled up anchor and tried to get to shore. Do you usually fish alone? No, not not usually. <laughs> <laughs> he, he has more than one son-in-law. Uh, that's all my questions for now. Okay. Okay, guys. Now, audience, of course, you've heard the tall tale, which was a true tale, at least to one, one person. And you've heard the answers by the four captains. All right. Now, it's time for you guys to, to vote, to select which one of you. And these are for points. Which, one, which of these captains do you think is the one that hit that 60 mile per hour gust of wind and had propellers and everything flying everywhere.
Mm, interested. Okay. Wait, wait a second. I thought it was us who was supposed to answer. Yeah, I thought, but, but, but no, no problem. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not difficult to get along with. But, of course, you heard some answers from the audience. Okay, Alan, it's up to you. Which one do you think, which captain do you think that particular event happened to? Hmm, now, I wonder if I should listen to what they said, because I, I heard captain number one. Mm. But I, heard lots um, of I think I'm going to go with number two. Okay. And Anton? Captain number one was convincing, but I think the wording of this uh, particular tale uh, fits captain number three the best. Okay. So there's a split between numbers, numbers one and number three. All right. Okay, so will the real 60-mile-per-hour captain please stand up? <laughs> All right. Charlie, before, before, we, before we, we move on, is there anything else you'd like to add about that? About that trip? Uh, uh, Rachel had to stay the boat with goggles on. Mm. It was that bad. All right. And I understand there was water coming in. Sorry, Lindsay. That also did happen to me. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'd say, yeah. Okay. Second event. <clears throat> Thank you. Okay. This event reads as follows. I was somewhere between the ages of 12 and 15 years old, and my father and I were out to sea. A storm sprung up upon us, and I was repeatedly shocked by lightning. <laughs> repeatedly. Again, true story happened to one of them, Anthon. Uh, Captain number one, did you pass out? Well, to be quite frank with you, I guess if, if, if fright could pass you out, I would have been passed out. But let me explain something to you. We were in a wooden boat. We had, it was perfectly calm. The, we had an oar, we had no engine. Of course, this, you gotta remember, this was a place where there were no engines around. It's been many days ago. So therefore, we had to scull in. The lightning, this, it was in the summer, and the storm was directly overhead, and of course, if you've been out on the water, the lightning can be very fierce. So water, we were standing because of the rain, and the boat was wet, so therefore whenever the lightning flashed, you always had more or less of a trickle of electricity. Okay, so the lightning did not strike you directly, is what you're saying? No. It, you felt the after effects. How many times did you remember uh, getting shocked by lightning? I guess I was too frightened to count them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next captain. Uh, captain number two, um, I'll ask the same question. Uh, did you pass out and do you recall how many times you were struck by lightning? I guess I'm captain number two. Well, actually, no, I didn't get struck by lightning, but let me tell you, it was a severe lightning storm. We were uh, passing from between six shillings and, and uh, what we call the point of reef life going down to Boober Rocks. And man, this storm came up so bad, I begged my boss. I said, man, turn this boat around. You got children in this boat. You know, we don't need, need to go through this. We was only about five minutes from land. And he said, oh man, that's only sissies stay back here. Don't, can't go through this. 
And for 20 minutes we stared into this storm out to sea, couldn't see land or nothing. Until finally, when it broke, we was like four miles outside the point of reef light. And the wrong going and the wrong going towards Abaco. So that was my experience. Okay. So at twelve or fifteen, you were working for whom? Your boss, you mentioned? Right. Huh? Yeah. Who was your boss at the time? Well, my boss was uh, Lyman Pinder. Okay. Uh, this says here you were with your father. Uh, captain number three. Uh, how many times do, did you remember getting struck with lightning on this particular trip? Well, um, actually, um, I was not struck by the, the lightning. Um, the action took place near me quite a few times, but um, as soon as it started, I made my way down to the cabin and I never moved until it was all over. Okay, uh, Alan. Well, uh, let's go with uh, Captain Charlie here. I may as well ask you the same question. Um, I got struck by lightning about six times. But my hair didn't fall out like Lindsay's. <laughs> maybe, that maybe explains a lot. <laughs> At least he remembers. I mean, maybe it's his youth or something that, that helps him to remember that. Um, all right, um, Captain One again. Um, you say you could, you, you couldn't count, but um, and uh, grateful, you know, because lightning, of course, doesn't strike uh, same place twice, at least so they say. So, it's thankful that uh, that you know you just felt the effects of, it and you weren't struck. Um, let me see. And uh, actually, I think that that's all the questions I got for now. Okay. Um, okay. Again, some real tall tales at that time. Wouldn't say which I thought was the tallest, but um, let's see. The man that was the captain that was struck by lightning, and you, you guys, if you didn't know, you're, you're actually scoreless. Scores tied zero zero. One of you need to win the new car or trip to Hawaii or something. But um, okay, Alan, take this, your pick. This is a tough one, but I'm going to go with uh, captain number one. All right, and Anton. I'm going to pick the same. All right. Okay, so Grease Lightning, please stand up. Okay, and um, Captain Clifton told a very, 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 very long story. Won't ask him to elaborate, but it's interesting. Captain Lindsay, you know, it's, let me, let me just justify his story a little bit. Lyman could be his boss and his father, I mean, if we knew. But I don't think the right, that, that there's the right age gap there. I mean, well, I, I mean, I've been working for him for 47 years, and I'm only 52, so I could. Be <laughs> there you go. That explains it. Okay. Final question, to um, and that was a tie. Final question to break the tie. All right. Thank you, pretty assistant, and um, Lapa again. And thank you, honey. All right. Okay, this is an interesting one. I was on a yacht which caught a fire, and I, or we, had to jump overboard and swim for four hours. Okay, Anton. Uh, Captain number uh, four, who did this yacht belong to? Uh, my boss. 
Uh, why were you on this yacht? I was taking him fishing. And um, four hours, are you a, that good of a swimmer? I try to be. Did you have to use life vests or anything? No, we treaded water. Uh, who had to rescue you? Basra. <laughs> <laughs> so someone was able to radio Basra? Yeah, before the boat sank. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'll, You're far away. Oh, you, you, you just yeah, I'll, I'll t turn it on. over the island? Yeah. Okay. A little strategy. Well, you got to remember, um, I'm so old now, when we had gasoline and you had to crank the engine uh, with a, uh, it had a flywheel on it and you, you didn't just turn the key, you had to crank them. And there were spark plugs and somebody had carelessly left the gas, some gasoline around and it just caught fire. And, down, and this is down inside, inside the boat now. And, you know, within minutes, this thing was ablaze. And, you know, we was like four or five miles away from land. And all we could do was jump overboard and swim, swim to the lands, get close to Curran Island as we could. <laughs> and, and within, you know, I mean, you think four miles, and you try to swim four miles and see if it won't take you four or five hours. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I was a strong swimmer. Mm -hmm. I was the captain of this American yacht, an 86-foot Virgo. She had owned by a gentleman out of Texas, an oil well, I mean, you would say oil legend or whatever. And um, we had traveled through the Caribbean and on our way to the States. We were down by Cherokee, down the Berry Islands, on our way to the Northwest Light, going on to the States. In the stone, we had a barbecue pit, and of course, we had, at that time, we had some filet grouper, and we thought that we would have some uh, barbecue grouper. Well, very much so, the grill was already lit, and several of the, we had several bags of charcoal, so the cook who was in charge of it put some additional coals in it, Lit the, lit the uh, grill again with outboard motor oil. <laughs> to say the least, as long as I've been speaking to you, the whole yacht was on fire. Everybody was on fire. If you, were, if, you were, if you were on deck and supper was going to be, be served within a half an hour time, you would have to be on deck. <laughs> so therefore, it was nothing else to do but to, to jump overboard because you was on fire. <laughs> okay, and final right, question. Uh, last question, uh, Captain Roth. Um, where did this take place? 
Um, this took place several years ago off a, a, a key known as Atchwood Key. It's in the, the Ackland Islands chain. Um, we, were, we were out fishing. We had an um, um, engine problem. And uh, there was this guy. Um, I'm not quite sure how sober he was. Um, he, uh, he was smoking while trying to uh, correct the engine problem. And I suppose there's some connection between his cigarette and the gas. And the whole boat caught a fire. There wasn't anything else we could do but get out in the water and swim for our lives. Okay. Why, could you give these um, very creative and hot captains a round of applause? Okay, guys, time to pick your captain. This is a tough one. Alan. You sure about that? <laughs> if I lose, I got to pay, you know. <laughs> no, but I'm going to go with number three, Brother Ralph. Number three. Okay. And Anton. He's still calculating. Yeah. Um, um, no more questions, but... No. I'm going to pick uh, captain number one again. You pick number one again. Yeah. Okay. All right. And audience, the audience didn't quite agree with that, but okay. Will the real Human Torch please stand up? All right. And Captain Clifton, I mean that that was a long story. I mean he had a very interesting way of making the truth sound unbelie unbelievable. <laughs> All right. Well, just to tell you a little bit about these, these gentlemen before we wrap up, and of course the score is 2-1 in favor of uh, Music Minister Anton Wallace. Okay. Anton here receives the trip for two to Hawaii. Check the box. I'm not sure if that's in it. And, and Alan. But you got to swim there. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's, he's just going to, I think it's, I think it's Atlanta, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, of course, this was about telling the truth or not telling the truth, so I think you can be in for a surprise when you open those packages. <laughs> but um, just a little bit about the, these gentlemen. Of course, Clifton Wells, the captain of the Ripple, was on our yard that caught a fire and did swim for four hours. And his other adventure that he was struck by lightning. Won't say anything else. Um, R Captain Ralph Hanna, also you didn't get a chance to see this, but he caught a seven-foot shark. And he also was off the coast of New Providence fishing alone. And he lost a sense of direction when a heavy rainstorm sprung up. And he started the engine, and he headed back to what he thought was land for 15 minutes. 
only to discover that he was headed for it out to sea. I've only been on his boat once. <laughs> All right. Charlie, of course, was on the fishing trip, 60 miles per hour, but he also swam in the Gulf. Get this, and I remember this when this happened. Swam in the Gulf for two hours at midnight. Went, went over with Eddie Pinder to bring back a boat during a storm and had to swim at midnight between two boats from boat to boat. Quite an adventure. Go see him if you want to hear more about it. And finally, Captain Lindsay came face to face at one time with a 25-foot man-eating shark. And he walked on water thereafter. <laughs> True story. And of course, he left, and one time he left Nassau at midnight to take some relatives home to a f at 5 p.m., sorry, to take some relatives to a family island, Spanish Wells, I believe it was, only to have these same relatives come and rescue him at 1.30 that, that next morning. So there's lots of stuff that happened to these guys, but there's a reason that we did this, and we did this in this fashion, not to preempt the sermon, but as fathers, lots of things happen to us. We're faced with many things. We are supposed to be at the helm if we're doing it right of our families and pretty much lots of pivotal things that go on in their lives. But as you can see from these guys, we're hit with lots of stuff that comes out of nowhere. And having been a father for 18 years, um, you sometimes don't know where these things come from and you don't know how to react. But you do know that you've got to keep the step steady. You've got to keep everything afloat. You have to go down with the ship if the ship goes down. And that's, that's, that's very key. These gentlemen have faced, have faced many struggles and trials on the sea, but as fathers, we face many things in their lives. I'm going to call on our captain number two, Lindsay Pinder, just to give you a very brief account of something that happened in his life that changed his life and changed his father's life. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, okay. Um, like Bill told you, I was born and raised in Spanish Wells. Well, at the age of six, I had five first cousins that got drowned the same time. Uh, needless to say, it was a very traumatic and a dramatic situation at that time on the island. But like Chris Berner was speaking last week, and even Wendley, God's sovereign, he allows some of these situations to happen in our lives, which we don't understand at the time. But I could say without, with confidence that this changed my dad's life. He was a Christian, but he was not involved at church at all. From that moment, the next day after the funeral, he came to the family, brought the family together. He says, your dad is a different dad from now on. From that moment, he started daily devotions every morning until I left at the age of almost 18. He was not a speaker, he was not involved openly in church, but he did whatever he could do faithfully. He took every preacher, every that came to Spanish Wells, administered, he took them out in the boat, he had them down to our house uh, three, four times a day, and he was very faithful in whatever he could do. He was committed he made a choice at that time to change his life and to be committed to serving God. And as a result of that, I could faithfully say, I could say with confidence, that it changed our old family. I had 
three brothers and four sisters. Uh, my eldest brother was an elder, the chief elder at the church for the, for the last 20 years of his life. My sister, oldest sister, married a guy that became an elder, was an elder of the church. My third sister uh, ran the church just about with the correspondence and started the choir. My second sister is married to an elder of the church. My third sister is married to an elder of the church. My brother, last brother, has been involved in missions all of his life. He has been around the world taking Bibles and, and giving money to missionaries and stuff. And I'm the last and the least. And I thank God that I think as an inspiration from him, it, it put me in the right direction. And not that I've been perfect, but um, I've tried to do the best that I could. And I thank God that I have three children that I'm not ashamed of. I'm proud of speech of the whole three of them. Each one's different, and each one has their own, you know, different individual accomplishments. But I just thank God that it, my dad took a stand at that time. He made a choice. There were other, I had another uncle who made a different choice, and he died an alcoholic. So there are still choices that we have to make when circumstances like this arrive, and you know, I would just challenge everybody here. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a singer. You don't have to be, you know, um, standing out front at the gate, at the front of the church. But you can do your part. All God has called us to is to be faithful in what you know that he's asked you to do. And I think if you do that, you will find out that God will honor whatever you do. Thank you. Okay, saying that I was told not to sing one more time, we're going to ask Steve and his grandson Ethan to come up. They're gonna sing a song for us. But this is an example of a man who is anchored in Christ. Actually, your legacy goes on from generation to generation and it reaps exactly what you see here. Your grandfather is anchored in Christ and now your grandson is growing up to be anchored in Christ because his dad is also anchored in Christ. This, this song is a very old song of the church, and um, so everyone knows it, you can sing along with it. Lord, hear my cry, keep me safe till the storm passes by. Till the storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky. Hold me fast, let me storm passes by. 
and the storms come no more. Let me stand in thy presence on that bright, peaceful shore, in that land where the tempest never comes. Lord, may I dwell with thee when the Give them another round of applause, please. And now, the message. Good morning. Let me begin by first wishing Happy Father's Day to all of the fathers in the house. I trust that you will all have a wonderful day as all of the attention is focused on you. And especially to Pastor Lee. He may be, you streaming guys tonight, today? He may be watching by streaming. Happy Father's Day, Pastor Lee. I trust that you will have a very, very blessed day today. Sometimes I have to really um, stop and scratch my head uh, when I look at how things are changing. Have you ever noticed how things are changing in our world today? Things are changing a lot. A boy said to his father one day, for 20 bucks, I'll be really good. His father said, when I was at your age, I was good for nothing. My, how things have changed. A wealth of blessings is in store for all those who not only read and understand the word of God, we all know that, right? But exceptional blessings await the Father, whose lifestyle in harmony with the will of God as revealed in the scriptures is God's transcript of practical living. Because it means that he is firmly anchored in Christ. And so today we want to challenge fathers to be firmly anchored fathers. It's a common tragedy today that if we don't stand for something, 
You know the rest, right? We'll fall for anything. And so when enticed and attacked, bamboozled, like some would say, by the evils of the day, the father who is anchored in Christ demonstrates for his children exactly what he really stands for. And he does it by being firm. Psalm 119 and verse 61 is the key verse of our brief challenge today. Someone said, could you really do brief? (laughs) Evil people try to drag me into sin, but I am firmly anchored to your instructions. Sometimes, though, we can get firmly anchored to the wrong things for too long and find ourselves really in deep trouble. A father asked his son, how did you like, how do you like the fourth grade? He said, ah, oh, wasn't much fun. He responded, that's too bad. It was the best three years of my entire life. <laughs> so sometimes it's not good to be anchored to some things for too long. But fathers, I want to ask us today, all of us, including myself, are we really anchored today? What are we really anchored to today? Is it career, our jobs? Is it a hobby? Is it materialism? What are we anchored to today? It's obvious that Satan's agenda is always behind the schemes of wicked people who try to trip up innocent believers. The writer of Hebrews reminds us of another anchor, and we've seen that on our screen today. He says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. In other words, in the same way that, an anchor, that the anchor of a ship is firmly held to the seabed, our hope in God is secure. Not only is it secure, but it's also unshakable, unmovable. And this is all the more reason why we as fathers should always remember God's word and be firm and relying on it for clear guidance and ultimate protection. But this is not automatic. This firm stand that we need to have as fathers is not automatic. Sometimes we think it is. It's not. Such a firm stand must begin by first and foremost being obedient. Being obedient. Verse 57 of Psalm 119 says, The Lord, Lord, you are mine. I promise to obey your words. Have we made such a promise, fathers? A promise to obey God's word? See, understanding how matchless a treasure we have in the Lord Jesus Christ should be the only determination we need to obey his words. Because he is all sufficient one, and he always has been. Because he is, we are amazingly wealthy just by having him. But then this kind of obedience can only happen by being determined. We need to be determined. If we're going to do anything Determination is a necessity. The psalmist says in verse 58, With all my heart, I want your blessings. B 
Be merciful as you promised. See, half-heartedness is a kind of procrastination. Father said to his son, you'll never amount to anything because you procrastinate. His son said, oh yeah, you just wait. <laughs> we as members, we must remember that God is the all-sufficient one, not us. We need to keep that in mind. Paul, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. And so by being wholehearted in our commitment, we must always be prayerful people. Fathers need to be prayerful too, not just mothers. Very often mothers are, are the ones who are always prayerful, but fathers need to be prayerful as well. Pleading God's favor and claiming his promise of mercy. The reason why this determination is so important is because it helps us in being direct. We need to be direct. Verse 59 says, I pondered the direction of my life. I turned to follow your laws. Is this something that we are doing consistently today, fathers? Pondering the direction of our lives as we go and then altering the course Whenever we find ourselves off course, when Adam and his boys passed the entrance of the Garden of Eden, his boys looked at the entrance of the gate and says, Dad, what's that? And so Adam thought he was being direct, very direct, when he said, that's where your mother ate us out of house and home. But there's hardly a time, there is hardly a time when we are not faced with the question, which way should I go? Anybody ever never faced with that question? We always face with that question. Which way should I go? Direction is a constant problem. Simply because we don't have the wisdom to know what to do all the time. We just don't know. And so this requires us to turn and follow the pathway outlined in the scriptures. But that's not all. When it comes to changing direction to follow God's law, it calls also for us to be instant. To be instant. You know, the scriptures reminds us elsewhere that we are to be instant, in season and out of season. The psalmist says in verse 60, I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. In other words, before you finish saying jump, my question will be, how high, Lord? That's what he means by being instant. He says, without delay, I will hurry to obey your commands. But everything is not so instant today for us, is it? Fast food isn't as fast enough. I was in a Wendy's the other day, and this fellow in the line uh, appeared to be very agitated and obviously very hungry. He looked at me and he said, this ain't fast food, this slow food. I said, bro, you're right. We were waiting in that line a real long time. But we live in an instant age, don't we? You put something in the microwave and you can't wait for it to finish. It's not quick enough. Some of us would like to perhaps go where no man has gone before. The Starship Enterprise, where we could go to the machine and say, hot tea, and there it is. 
But we live in an instant age, instant everything, instant foods, instant service, instant this and instant that. Sometimes people even get whole instant families. Four, four men were in, a, in a, a hospital waiting room, waiting for their wives to deliver their new babies. And uh, the first nurse came in and went to one guy and says, congratulations, you have twins. The fellow said, that's odd. I work for the Minnesota Twins. Another nurse came in and went to another guy in the room and says, congratulations, sir, you're the proud father of triplets. He says, boy, that's weird. I work for the 3M company. <laughs> and shortly after, another nurse came in and went to the other guy and says, you've got quadruplets. Congratulations. He says, boy, that's, that's really strange. I work for the Four Seasons Hotel. And all of a sudden, a commotion broke out in the room, and uh, the other guy started screaming and hollering and groaning and hitting his head against the wall. And the other fellow looked at him and says, what's wrong? He says, I work for 7-Up. <laughs> Wouldn't want to be in issues. But since we, since we like instant everything, is it asking too much for us to respond to the revealed will of God with instant ob obedience, fathers? Instant obedience. That's what, the, that's what the psalmist is talking about here. He says, I will obey your word. I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. After all, being instant is really another expression of being grateful. The psalmist says, I rise at midnight to thank you for your just regulations. Is this typical of us fathers? Are we always giving thanks to God for the things that he has blessed us with, especially our children? When we think that there are many parents whose life revolves around going to the prison and going to the courthouse, we got a lot to be thankful for if we don't have to do any of that stuff. He says, at midnight I rise to thank you for your just regulations. Sometimes circumstances force us to be grateful, regardless of how unpleasant they may be at times. Six-year-old boy asked his father for some water. His father said, I've given you ten glasses of water. Isn't that enough? He says, yes, but the bedroom is still on fire. You see, sometimes it's good to be grateful for what we have. Even though God allowed them to be treated unfairly, Paul and Silas could still get up in the middle of the night and pray and sing praises to God and talk about the righteousness of God's judgments. Acts chapter 16 verse 25 gives us that account. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. And the prisoners were listening to them. See that? Somebody was listening. We find that we can hardly show gratefulness without being friendly. They made some friends that night by being grateful. The prisoners were listening. 
And of course, their response would obviously have been favorable. The psalmist says, I am a friend to anyone who fears you. Anyone who obeys your commandments. You see, as Christians, we consist of a global fellowship that goes beyond all barriers of national, social, and ethnic boundaries. Simply because those who love God also love God's people. John's dad said to him, son, you know, it's report card time. School's closing, and uh, parents want to see how their children have done in school. So John's dad said, son, let me see your report card. He said, I don't have it. He says, why not? He said, I loaned it to my friend. What for? He wants to scare his parents. <laughs> I hope none of us parents are scared today by our children's report cards. But what a way to have a friend. Being friendly with those who love and obey God's word is also an indication that we are being receptive to being teachable. Many fathers are not teachable. Just look at a father when he gets a, a, a new toy or something that he bought that he has to assemble. Look at what he does with the instructions. What does he do with them? Oh, I don't need that. But fathers, we need to be teachable. The psalmist says in verse 64, O Lord, your unfailing love fills the earth. Teach me your decrees. Now you can't ask for teaching if you're not teachable. God requires us fathers to be teachable. We wonder why our children turn out the way they do, because they watch fathers who are not teachable. They don't want anybody to tell them anything. And then they grow up and they be the same way. And we wonder why. You know, a pastor was uh, preaching one day, and um, he was preaching a sermon on all of the minor prophets. And um, this fellow was getting really agitated about time. And he, he held up his hand with his watch on it, and he did like that to the preacher. preacher saw him, but didn't pay any attention to him. And then the preacher went on, and uh, uh, the guy got a little bit more agitated, and he took his watch off, and he held, held it up to the air, and he waved it like this for a couple of minutes. Again, the preacher didn't pay any attention to him. And then finally, he stood up, and he, and he did like this, and he looked at the preacher, and he did like that, and he looked at the preacher. Finally, the preacher didn't say anything to him. And then the preacher realized his time had gone. He says, well, you know something, my time is just about gone. But we left out one of the prophets. We forgot Micah. Where should we put Micah? Finally, the guy I couldn't take it any longer. He got up and said, you can give him my seat. I'm going home. <laughs> We're conscious of time, aren't we? I'm going to be brief. <laughs> the psalmist says, oh, Lord, your unfailing love fills the earth. Teach me your decrees. No matter where we go in the world, we can always find God's steadfast love because it fills the earth. If for any reason, this should be the reason that we should have a grateful response to being open and teachable. Our response should always be, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, please help me to remain teachable. So in closing, by being teachable, determined, 
direct, instant, grateful, friendly, unteachable. The psalmist could say with absolute confidence, I am firmly anchored to your instructions. What a blessing and a joy it would be if each father here today could make such a commitment for their children to follow. A commitment that will enable their children to grow up knowing from our example what it really means to be anchored in Christ. And I close with the words of that hymn that we sung earlier. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life? When the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cables strain? Fathers, will your anchor hold or drift remain? It'll be good if we could say with the absolute confidence of the psalmist, we have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Pray with me, please. Our Father in God, we are grateful today that as fathers we can celebrate another Father's Day. We sympathize with those who don't have fathers with them today, but help us who are here to take advantage of the opportunity to be firm in our commitment, to be firm in our resolve, to stand fast in our commitment to your word, to be solidly grounded in Christ. And then we will have no need to be concerned about how our children or any children who observe our lifestyles will turn out. We will not be concerned that our examples is not appropriate. But we will have absolute confidence, Lord, that we're walking righteously before you in such a way that we are impacting the lives of our children and the children of others in a way that will make a positive impact and contribution to a society that we live in that seems to be on a world of recklessness endangerment. Bless us, Lord, today as we seek to be obedient to your will and your way. For we ask it in Christ's name and all God's people said, the Lord bless you. How does your dad show that he is anchored in Christ? We're going to pay, use this time. We're going to allow each person five seconds, five to ten seconds. We don't need you all to come at all at once um, to tell us why and how and when does your dad show that he is anchored in Christ. Um, Dad, I just want to say that I love you, and um, 
I'm so thankful that I get to work with you this summer and spend the summer with you just seeing how you provide for us and seeing the things that you do because a lot of the times like people come to you with questions and I'm just like I don't know how I would answer it I don't know what they would do without you and I don't know what you'd do without you and um, I just want to say that I love you so much and I hope that you know how much Brittany and I love you every day and happy Father's Day Um, I just want to say I'm thankful for you, Daddy, and I love you. Um, I remember when I was in high school, I asked you, I said, Dad, I want to go to college. And you're just like, oh, all right. <laughs> and I didn't really know. And I was like, so I'm going to go to school? And he was like, boy, I know. It was a little rough, but God has provided jobs for you, and you've been faithful to take up and provide for us. Really, thank you so much. Tell you much. I'm thankful for you and appreciate you and providing for me to go to school all this time. And everything you've done for us. Thank you. Happy Father's Day. I see all of my dad, my dad died a long time ago. I said that I had two wonderful dads. My Real dad taught me how to be determined and never give up. He was way underway even after he had his heart attack. Every day he would say, Crystal, you gotta get up and you gotta Keep trying, and affectionately, I call him my second dad. Um, he came to church here, used to sit over there, William Hawkins. He he taught me my love for kids. I can. Remember sitting over there and Sunday after Sunday he pulled a little child to him hug him make him feel real special and he looked at me one Sunday he said Crystal if you wonder why I do that some of these kids no, they get so busy, nobody ever tells them they love them, so I want to do that. So, fathers are real special, and if you had your dad's with you today, give them a hug, because I wish more than anything I could give both of my dads a hug, but I send a hug to all dads here. Okay. Anyone else? Okay, can all of the dads stand please, all of the fathers?
Again, happy Father's Day, and as a token of our appreciation and love for you, here is our gift to you. Did we get everybody? Did we didn't leave anyone out, right? Pardon? Again, we want to say thank you so much to all of you for attending our service today. We just ask that God would continue to bless you and keep you as you venture out to lunch. And now we'll have the closing prayer by Mr. Randy Pierce. Shall we bow, please? Father and God, we give you thanks and praise once again for the opportunity to be able to assemble as your people, especially on this special day. We now ask, O oh Lord, that you would separate us with your blessed benediction. Help us to enjoy the remainder of the day with your blessings, for we ask it in Christ's name and all God's people said, 